Welcome to our table, beautiful human animals. This is a very special installment of Just Dessert, the offshoot of Better Health and World, where we talk pop culture with a focus on film. I can talk shop. I've written screenplays, directed film shorts, and academia. I was a columnist for two publications, a thrice-published poet, and the entertainment editor for my high school newspaper. I am Matt Krokomo at Matthew J. Better, also a credentialed writer and personal trainer exploring how to maximize the human experience. You can listen to all of us here on Better Health in the World where we explore the maximum human experience and all that. Joe Neubauer at Joe Knows MMA. What up, guys? And Gabrielle Tambowen, also our in-house nursing student at Gabby underscore T. Hey, guys. Here with MMA, also on Better Fight Cast, your latest coverage of the UFC and all things mixed martial arts for season vets of the purest, best of sport you can follow. And you rookie fight fans, subscribe to that and this on Apple Podcasts or SoundCloud. Um, we got a lot of different things we could talk about. Off the mic, we were talking Disney. We've all seen Incredibles 2 at this point. Yeah. We touched on that the last time we all sat down at the table. It's a phenomenon that's been long in the waiting. Does it stand up to the Toy Story sequels? We can get into that. I saw Ant-Man and the Wasp. It's always a big event with a new MCU movie. Uh, spoiler alert, I think it holds up to all the ones before it. Yeah. Very happy with it. Um, I saw the latest movie written and directed by Alex Garland, Annihilation. I think I might have talked about it a little bit last week, but I don't think I... I can't remember. Do you remember me telling you about that movie the last mm-hmm. week? Okay, I did. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I have a little bit more to say on it. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Um, where should we start? What do you think? What do you want to talk about? I think I want to jump to. I'm filled with overexcitement. Okay. Um, it's not about the movies I've watched recently, but I'm falling into the hype game for a couple movies that are coming out probably still has some far time away. Mm. And I've been doing a lot of research and looking at articles on, of course, Quentin Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh, um, Of course, I'm very excited for that installment. The Charles Just, Manson. Yeah, the, the cast. I mean, Leonardo DiCaprio, Brad Pitt, mm. Margaret Robbie, Burt Reynolds, Kurt Russell, Damian Lewis, Dakota Fanning, Al Pacino. Who's Damian Lewis? It sounded familiar. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I know him. I know I do. But yes, um, has me very excited, of course. Quentin Tarantino, always excited for that. But the biggest one is actually Mortal Kombat. <laughs> Warner Brothers is rebooting Mortal Kombat. Real quick, I do want to mention, it's fascinating that Quentin Tarantino has never done something based on fact. He's never done a factual movie no it's very um, Inglorious Bastards was not not all not at all nothing uh, 
Because, I mean, he had Hitler. And <laughs> he sure one. did. Yeah. He sure did. And I wonder if it was like, you know, he had I wonder blow if that's up the in ties. a movie. Spoiler alert, though. How Hitler was portrayed in that movie, that's how I'm wondering if he portrays Charles Manson in this one. Because it's like, it's it's not evolved around mm. necessarily Charles Manson. It's actually supposed to be Margaret Robbie. Uh, I can't remember the girl's name, the girl that um, fell into the cult, the Charles Manson cult. Okay. Uh, she was a famous girl, Hollywood star. Uh, the name is escaping me at the moment. Shannon Shannon Tate? Tate? Shannon Tate. Is it Shannon Tate? Tate? Shannon Tate? Yeah, that's it. Shannon Tate. Yeah. I knew it would come to me. I, like I said, yeah. I've, I've done... Yeah, she, she killed for him, right? Or yeah. Or was she just part of it? Did she actually kill anybody for him? I'd have to look into that. Yeah, well, it's fine. We'll just... Can't remember. We, just, we don't need to know. It's all right. All right. That's what the movie's going to probably explain to us. But yeah, I mean, all-star cast, it just... it just I look forward to Quentin Tarantino all the time. I'm waiting yeah, to see this his one. his own genre. It's always fascinating. His movies are always great movies. But He's with the Mortal Kombat, the art form. you know, Warner Brothers is doing it. And I've been screaming for a while I wanted to see a reboot of Mortal Kombat. Mm-hmm. I really think the characters, you can really go in depth, you can go deep. It's, it's a fantastic set of characters that I don't know how it has not been brought back to cinema in the era of movies we have right now. I just don't understand how it's taken this long. Right, they're jacking up everything. Why mm-hmm. not? Why not? Pull but it out of the ground. They're coming out with it, and what they released was they released their character breakdowns for the movie. Mortal Kombat was an excellent video game. It was revolutionary back in the day. It was like '92 or '94 or something when it came out. Mm-hmm. And the, the characters really strike me as as kind of, in my opinion, alarming. It was bloody. I don't know how I'm feeling about this. Supposedly, the lead male. For this movie is supposed to be Cole Turner, a guy in his thirties. It's a brand new guy in the Mortal Kombat franchise. Oh, no. It's a struggling widowed boxer who cares more about his young daughter than anything. Incredibly determined and refuses to quit in the face of fantastical adversity. That's Cole Turner's description. Mm. Bruh, are you effing kidding me? No. Why is that not Johnny Cage? Do you have any information on anybody that's involved in making the movie? Any directors, writers, anything? Producers, anything? Other than I Warner Brothers? don't. I know Warner Brothers is doing it. I mean, they already got character breakdowns for the upcoming movie reboot. So, I mean, that means they're definitely doing it. I don't know. You'd have to look up the director. But right now, just reading this first character, like, who's a Cole Conrad? Maybe I'm being too Mortal Kombat die hard here but what what is that about I mean I get you have to bring in new characters but that's your star of the new Mortal Kombat reboot I'm scared I'm really scared because there's nothing wrong with the original ones yeah the fact that you can't zero in on one like I mean maybe they get hold on oh no okay hold on I got excited about the Mortal Kombat director but then it ended up being the Mortal Kombat director for the original yeah. 1995 movie that was Paul W.S. Anderson. He's an interesting... He also directed the sequel, I guess. And then here we go. <clears throat> the supporting lead male. Who do you think is going to play that? If you had to pick a Mortal Kombat character that's going to be the supporting lead male, who are you picking? <sighs> Jax. 
Jax, okay? Gabby? Or wait, no. No. You didn't uh, like my face. No, no. We're not playing. No. It's what just is that lying like game from uh, Jimmy Fallon? Not you lie. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm trying to think of who's in there. Liu Kang wouldn't be a supporting character. Jax just doesn't feel right. He really I'm doesn't. Anyway, I'm going to spoil it because you're not going to guess it. It's Kano. I thought you told me Kano wasn't in it. I thought he wasn't, but actually he's the supporting I was going to guess him, and that's, that's what made his me go Jax. We were talking about this off the mic. And in his 30s... <clears throat> He's going to be a rugged Australian ex-Special Forces turned Merc for hire. He's arrogant and impetuous, but a tremendous fighter. So naturally, who's the supporting lead female out of the Mortal Kombat universe? Guys, Gabby, uh, you don't even know what a Mortal Kombat is, do you? I do know what Mortal okay. Kombat is, but I mean, not that familiar. I'm only familiar with like the video game. The new one? Me and Matt grew up with Mortal Kombat. That was that was a Mortal Kombat, in my opinion, was a very important game in the history of games and lifestyle when I was growing up. It was the first really cutting edge game of its kind, with the blood and fatalities and things like that. It was Well, off the mic, yeah, it was. Off the mic you were talking about how you were disappointed in the characters. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking that the female lead is not going to be the original Sonya. So, Molina is one that springs to mind. Oh, my goodness. No, no, no. You know what? I'm going to give you that you're right about Sonya Blade. Oh, wait till you hear this. The support and lead female, she's in her 30s. The beautiful, brainy, blonde writer who chases the prophecy of Mortal Kombat. Wait, wait, hold up. I just said brainy, blonde writer. She recruits nice. Cole and fights bravely and selflessly for a team she could only be a part of once she earns a medallion in combat. I mean, Warner Brothers. What's going on here? Are they resurrecting the WB and putting it back on that TV station? Sonya Blade's a writer? Wow. There's no way you can have Sonya Blade not be a cop. H- how? How? Like, what? Oh, it gets better. Wow. It's Jin slash Lord Raiden. It Jin. says he's a male, and he's 14 years old. <laughs> the immortal thunder god and protector of the Earth realm, who leads and trains the Earth team in the underworld. 14 years old, Lord Raiden? What are we doing here? Interesting. What are we they doing are really here? They're really trying on purpose. Wow. Like, turn wow, they want to make people down. mad. Oh, this, this is something down. I feel like I have to see even if it's bad. But wow. Oh my goodness. Melina, female, 25 to 35 years old. I mean, she has a 10-age gap. We don't know yet. A drop-dead gorgeous woman that is part of the outworld side. She wears a sheer gown over thigh-high boots, revealing one piece with a veil that covers her nose and mouth. Not really a whole lot to that, is there? About her character and what she's going to do. Okay, we have Jackson. Jax Briggs. Mm -hmm. Male, 30 to 40 years old. Jax is a strapping mercenary military officer who loses both of his hands in an attack and then joins Sonya and Cole to fight the outside world. 
I mean, that sounds like Jax. Yeah, that's pretty straightforward. But Sonya's a writer? Unless she's a retired... Unless she's a retired mercenary military officer who became a writer. There you go. That's something I better hear. I mean, that's there not saying it's that, but I'm, I'm, I have hope. Because, please. She's some Tom Clancy. I'm yeah. Sure, but she's got blood in her sheath. I mean, she can't be the, the reporter from Scream. It's funny because when you were saying 25 to 35, I was going to say Jennifer Aniston to Lily <laughs> Sobieski. And then so. you pull out with some Courtney Cox stuff. So. Sounds like Luke Kang's going to be in the movie. Male, 20 to 35 years old. A fire-throwing ninja warrior who is a talented Earthrealm champion. That's Luke Kang? That's Luke Kang. What did it say? He's a fire-throwing ninja warrior. So you've seen him on Spike TV and other random. Well, that's what he is in the video the games. Past. Let's keep it true to the source material, man. Liu Kang was the best. It's funny. One, I that game was revolutionary when it came out, and I got it when it was fresh. I got the Sega. I had the Sega Genesis already, man. That thing was premier. That was when I. That was the peak of my gamer days. <laughs> uh, maybe it was in that realm. Now, Kung Lao was interesting. Kung Lao is actually in the movie. I don't think we've ever seen Kung Lao in a Mortal Kombat movie. He's never had his justice because he's a cool character. Yeah, he's interesting. He has that hat that has the blade that he throws. I mean, a male 25 to 35, the mute warrior, monk brother of Liu Kang, who yields an all-powerful boomerang hat. (laughs) A mute warrior. So, I mean, I guess Kung Lao didn't really ever need to talk. That's an interesting twist. I don't hate that. One time I picked the game up after years of not playing it, and I picked Liu Kang. And for the first time ever, I swept the game. Mm-hmm. Double flawless every time. Reptile, double flawless. I just, for some reason, I was just like in the zone. It's <laughs> a good game, man. Yeah. He's the character that beats it in the storyline. So mm-hmm. maybe that's I don't know. Maybe I just had that courage. I know I'm meant for this this night. Shang Sung, one of my favorite characters Shang also. Sung is awesome. Male, no age specified, great sorcerer of Outworld, whose presence is a storm cloud of dark energy. His ever changing roulette of faces unfurls an evil smile. So he's a bad guy. Dramin. A male, 30, 25 to 35, an oni devil mask over his face. His body is composed of twisted, sinewy skin. A heavy spiked club replaces one arm. <laughs> what was the character's name again? Dramin. D-R-A-H-M-I-N. Okay. We have Cabal. I feel like that name was in a Mortal Kombat before. Male, 25 to 35. Evil assassin of Outworld, outfitted in a black armored vest and trench coat. His entire head is covered by a scarred black respirator. His signature weapons are two razor-sharp hooked swords. Oh, I've seen him in a Mortal Kombat. Yeah. He was in Mortal Kombat 3. I think he was dope. I like the ultimate. What is it, Mortal Kombat He was 3? like some steampunk stuff, I think. Some Mad mm-hmm. Max stuff going on, I think. If that's who I think he is. Cabal was cool. Cabal was cool. Mortal Kombat 3 for the Sega Genesis was the last Mortal Kombat that I really was like into. Mm-hmm. The next one I played was 4D or so it was like 3D or something and I was like, "Nah, this isn't what it's supposed to be." I think they may have gone back. I'm not even sure. I don't know. 
And then the rest are names like there they have some vampire chick, Natara. Don't know what she's about. Has bat wings. Rico, a male, twenty-five to forty. White glowing eyes. Drags a massive warhammer with him. I don't know. I hear all the warhammer. The overseer, a guy in his late eighties. Overseer of the clock tower and grounds that house the Earth Realm warriors. He is laughably old. Oh, we should have been casting these the whole time. Damn, damn. Oh, what a missed opportunity. And then the I rest of it is Cole. It that guy Cole. If that guy Cole's whole family is in this, it's going to be based around him. That Cole Conrad because it has his. Don't love him. His twelve-year-old daughter. It has his Natalie Portman. Mother-in-law, who's in her sixties, uh, and has Wait, his judgmental no. sister-in-law, uh, uh, Winona Ryder. I don't know, man. So to sum this up, half the characters I've never heard before. Kano should be Dennis Leary. <laughs> <laughs> Kano is the support and lead role, which I find very odd. Just sounds. I like it because I love the Kano character. It's particularly one of my favorite. I always yeah. thought he definitely could adapt. Rogue. Well. Like if there was like if you did Mortal Kombat in a very dark context, Kano is like the perfect character because he's like the ultimate slime ball. He's a rat. He's a weasel. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's what always intrigued me about him. And I feel like the the twist is there's a couple things I need to still know about this movie. Lord Raiden being 14 years old. What are we doing here? It seems like it's based around this Cole Conrad guy. It has his whole family in it. You know, his mother-in-law, his sister-in-law, his daughter, and then himself. I mean, that's obviously, if there's that many characters related to him, he's got to be the main character. Why, with so many characters and so many storylines already, why why the, why all the new newness? Why, I don't know. That's what's making me very scared. Why would they do that? It, I wonder if... I've heard about this thing where they have existing scripts and then they attach them to old franchises. Mm-hmm. Someone theorized that about Ocean's 8. Yeah, it's probably going to be some Channing Tatum type character. It's just, I got to see who's playing them. I mean, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. I don't know how I feel about that yet. Like, the lead role is by a brand new character they're introducing. This other better be something big in their video game franchise, or, or I don't know. The other thing I need to know is who's directing it. Yeah, I have a feeling that's not announced. What's know. the rating? Uh, like, what? Sure, it's got to be PG thirteen. Like, There's no way it could be R. I mean, they're not going to go PG. It'll be PG thirteen. I just there's a lot about it. I, I have kind of scratching my head. I'm a little, as a fan so far, I feel a little disappointed. I mean, the big thing that I realize is there's no Johnny Cage, there's no Sub Zero, and there's no Scorpion. That's the biggest takeaway I have instantly. And I don't know how I feel about that. There's no I mean I like Wait, what reptile. did you just say? I said the biggest takeaway I'm also looking at this and this might be the biggest one. There's no Johnny Cage, there's no Sub Zero, and there's no Scorpion. Right off the bat, that's what I see. It's a drag, bro. Unless they haven't casted them yet. I don't know. But then again, how many characters can you put in the one movie? And this is something we were talking about off air. Also, like, do you think con- uh, Mortal Kombat will be better in a Game of Thrones style TV show? Just a rated R, anything can happen. 
just slow dialogue building up to big scenes of Mortal Kombat. It has a big world. If you get the right people attached to it, definitely. I mean, you have two worlds to play with. You play on Earth, and you have the Outworld. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, the, the, the options are limitless. It's just too... You can also know. jump back and forth in time. Well, I don't know. I guess that's not really... Well, I mean, just to layer and texture the story a bit and the way they might do that in some of those high-quality serialized cable dramas. Mortal Kombat was cool. Who would you like to direct it? Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> nah, I'm just kidding. Nah. Um, honestly, I don't know. Who's ever directed, like, I'm trying to think of, like, a series. I think a 12-part series to Mortal Kombat that starts with season one, and you literally could probably go all the way up to a season ten successfully, if done right, um, because of all the characters. But who who has longevity in that business? Um, I'm not very familiar with directors in that business. Uh, yeah, I don't know who directs the television series. That's interesting. I wouldn't. Hmm. I mean, I as know. far as action scenes, Marvel was the creme de la creme. Mm -hmm. You know, which which I don't know if Marvel's ever done that dark of an adaptation of a movie. I need somebody with a really creative mind. <laughs> I want R-rated Disney. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, day. Yeah, that's a thought. <laughs> I bet you'd be popular. Maybe might water down. But Disney would sue you so bad with all the money they have for uh, even insinuating their characters are doing rated R things. Well, I mean, Disney... A of, there's a lot of, like, Disney, know, movies, or I'm just, I'm just a lot of, like... Well, Disney owned Miramax, right? Disney has actually technically and... put out a lot of R-rated movies, I think. Pretty sure. You know, somebody, like, a writer of, like, of like Ray Donovan, or, you know, somebody really creative, like, I want, like, a... I don't know, but th that you have to have creative fighting scenes too. The thing about Mortal Kombat is you, the 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 fighting scenes can be almost like Marvel in that capacity of what you see in movies because every character has such unique talents to them, just like superheroes. You know, they have above level martial arts, and a lot of them have weapons and everything else. It's just I, I feel like a really creative person could really go far with that franchise. But also at the same time, like make it like a Christopher Nolan style Batman type feel to it. Christopher Nolan would be a good one. I don't know if he's ever done long term like TV shows or anything, but just that dark feel of taking, like he took Batman and made it very dark, but yet very good at the same time and very compelling. And The Dark Knight still goes to might be regarded as one of the best movies ever, right? A lot of people say it's the best comic book movie. It's got its flaws. People, the some of the things that have been complained about that movie right after it came out was people. Were, some people were kind of over Christian Bale's voice. I didn't like the his voice. Batman voice. <clears throat> and then when they, I did complain. Some about people that thought too. the computer screens over his eyes were kind of cheesy. Some people thought that the subplot where he had to go to. China, I guess, or where I think he went to Hong Kong. Oh, the train where he met Liam Neeson. No, when he no. Went, remember when he went oh, to China? Oh, that was the I'm thinking on the first one. Yeah. No, I remember. I remember. I know what you're talking about. 
Yeah, I'll have to watch that movie yeah. again. That whole franchise again. That's a good one. I can lend it to you. I have it. Oh, okay. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. You can't not have that one. I mean, Christopher Nolan put out three mm. gems. Mm. I liked all three of them. Loved all three of them. It's interesting. Sometimes you can go like not seeing movies. Some it'll surprise some people. I will, for the longest time I never saw Shawshank Redemption. That's a good one. That is a good one. Um, yeah, I love that movie. Earlier, I'm trying to think if there's anything else that's. I can't think of anything else that stands out. I'm sure there are other ones. I haven't seen Bloodsport. <clears throat> like I mentioned earlier, we were talking about that earlier. Quintessential John Claude. As you saw damn. me, I really <laughs> marked out like a fanboy about this Mortal Kombat. Like mm-hmm. I'm not playing around. Like that's one of those movies that I just have to see. There's, there's mm-hmm. a nostalgic feel to it for me. Mm-hmm. So I'll probably criticize that one heavier than what you see me criticize most movies. Mm-hmm. Like how a lot of people feel about Marvel. I'm I'm always that weird outcast that likes the different things. I don't know. I don't know how to explain it, but I always like the other things that people aren't drawn to. That's like me and my love for mixed martial arts. Now, often I gotta explain this sport to people. It's all the time, mm-hmm. but it's probably because it's a different sport than what most people watch, especially here in North America. But like, I'm the same way with. Um, I was always the same way with that. A lot of people were really in the comic books and and superheroes, and I was always into like martial arts type of things. Whether it was, you know, Ninja Turtles when I was a kid, mm-hmm. um, Power Rangers, whether it was. Uh, Mortal Kombat obviously as I got older I liked Mortal Kombat and Street Fighter and they were the ones that used to like battle mm-hmm. and I liked both of them but I always liked Mortal Kombat way better because the characters were unlike anything else they, they really are unparalleled at every other character I like their characters over even Marvel characters really? yes not me genuinely mean that no. I just don't think they've ever had anybody make no, the movie right no bro no but that's all personal opinion yeah okay. like I was always into that dark like style that they present in their video games they always had good biographies that I used to look at all the time on their characters mm. and all their video games just very descriptive and I don't know I've just always been fascinated by that that world I guess so to speak mm. like I said I, I, I just think differently like I was always that weird kid. Everybody liked Marvel. I liked Mortal Kombat. It was it was definitely strange. I guess you wanted to see them really flesh the characters out, and you know, there's the potential there. I think there's a potential for a lot of spinoffs too. Like I really think it could be a whole movie franchise. I mean, you could have movies based around Sub Zero. You can have a movie based around Scorpion. Easy. Kano, Liu Kang, all of them. The Sonya Blade, Kano, and. And uh, Jack's story, uh, Shang Tsung and Liu Kang with Kung Lao and whoever else you want to add into that mess. Johnny Cage has his own thing going. I mean, all of them could be potential movie stars. Just getting the right people. But what about, okay, I think I've talked enough about Mortal Kombat. I'm going to zip it up about Mortal Kombat now and try to get into some other movies. What else have we been watching lately? Well, at this point, we've all seen Incredibles, too. Yeah. Did we talk about that last week? You guys talked about it spoiler-free because I hadn't seen it. You hadn't seen, it, seen yet. it now. Okay, gotcha. I didn't say much. Uh, it, I thought that uh, it was 
interesting some of the things they did to continue the story, I guess, of mm-hmm. them trying to balance being a family and family stuff going on with being superheroes. Yeah. And extending, you know, the metaphor for the stresses that we all face and all that. Mm-hmm. I think that's why people liked that movie so much is just because they felt like it was oh, relatable because you're seeing them in this like everyday life. That first life. movie was absolutely brilliant. Like, oh yeah, it was, uh, it was a masterpiece. I agree. I, that, I've literally seen know, it about fifty times. The Incredibles is a masterpiece. Yeah. Um, One of the, I would have to see Incredibles two more to determine whether or not that's I a agree masterpiece with that assumption also. Because first glance, I did love the movie, but I can't wait to watch it. Again. I enjoyed it. <clears throat> To see all the small details again, because there's so yeah. much small details to those those beautifully constructed Pixar movies. I mean, is a sequel like a good times? answer to the first one? If there is no third one, this could yeah. this could be a good this could be a good bookend to it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I like yeah, this, I think that's, so. that that is something that's that is definitely could be said about this movie, and it did. I think it did do enough different things with. You know, you know that that metaphor and everything, mm-hmm. and all you know, all of them and their powers, and how their powers help, and also how their powers can help, and sometimes can hurt. Um, like you were saying off the mic about this, it's interesting seeing the woman go off to work, and the man has to stay home and take care of business. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was great how mm-hmm. they were adapt. Uh, spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Incredibles two. Spoiler alert! Still fresh. Spoiler alert! So you can skip ahead at least another six minutes, and at that point, they will tell you what we're done talking about. Hold on. Six minutes starts now. Okay. Spoiler free. Incredibles two talk. Um. I really liked what. Okay, so, what's Mister Incredibles' first name again? Bob. Bob. <laughs> really? Is it yeah. Bob? Bob <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Craig <laughs> T. Nelson is great. He's such a great actor. I loved him as Coach. Of course, he's got a special place in my heart. If you all don't know what the TV show Coach is, you should check it out. It's awesome. Coach, you guys know Coach? No. No? No coach? Nope. No coach? No. It also features Jerry Van Dyke, the brother of Dick Van Dyke, I guess, or the cousin or something. He plays like the assistant coach to a college team or a high school team. I don't even remember. Craig T. Nelson's the main guy. Do you guys see Devil's Advocate? I saw Devil's Advocate. Do you remember the guy who he was defending in the in the movie who was like, I think he killed his wife or whatever, and he was fighting for visitation of his daughter. I can't remember Devil's Advocate all the time. I just remember it being right. really good. It's been years. Craig Nelson it. also has a great spin in Devil's Advocate. Beautiful performance. Uh, one of the other characters on Coach, of which Craig T. Nelson was, he was Coach. He was the, he was the title character, the main coach, the head coach. Jerry Van Dyke was the assistant coach, and another assistant coach was Dauber, tall blonde dude. The same person who voices Patrick Starfish on SpongeBob SquarePants, oh, yeah. <laughs> and he was also in the Stan miniseries as a developmentally disabled dude. 
who uh, was intricate to the plot and uh, beautiful performance there also. Perhaps the best performance in the six-hour miniseries, also featuring the lovely Gary Sinise, Molly Ringwald, and Corin Nimick, a.k.a. Parker Lewis Can't Lose, who was also in Operation Dumbo Drop. I remember that movie. Great movie, I think. Mm-hmm. Bill Murray, right? Maybe. Bill or Murray. Ray Liotta? It would definitely be Bill Murray over Ray Liotta. I think. Um, uh, Operation Dumbo Drop. To the rescue. Dennis Leary? Was he in that? <laughs> Did he pop up in that movie? I feel like, like John Candy was in it or something. Pop that up. <laughs> this is not incredible. No, you're talk. right. It does have Ray Liotta, Danny Glover, Dennis Leary, Dougie Doug. Yeah. Coronemic? Coronemic? Yeah. Yep. yeah, you knew that movie a lot better than I did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Coronemic. Can't lose, bro. <laughs> awesome. So, I thought it had John Candy and who did I say for Bill Murray? <laughs> Be a great movie. I'd love those guys. Yeah. I feel like they're in everything in the eighties. I think Operation Dumbo Drop was decent. You know what? I don't think I've ever seen I Operation saw Dumbo theaters. Drop. I think I'm thinking of a completely different movie. Maybe. It seems like Bill Murray was driving an elephant and something. I think I'm thinking of Stripes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Military movie. Yeah. Uh, shoot. Coronemic let me... So- How did we start talking about that guy? We Stan- had to start from The Incredibles somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Coach! Dauber! The stand! Yeah. The stand. Um, We're talking about Bob. Oh, well. <laughs> it would, oh, the guy doing the voice. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Coach. Mm. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I know who you're talking about. I know the show Coach. Do you really? Yes, You absolutely. just remember Coach? Sitcom. <laughs> yeah, Yes, man. I know Coach. Yeah. He. That's Bob. That's Bob Incredible. Yeah, yeah. That's Coach. Yeah, I know he's great. the voice. He's a yeah. great voice actor. He does a great job. Uh, he's a great actor actor. Um, all right, anyway. My favorite character in Incredibles was Jack-Jack. Oh, I loved him. I think he stole the Jack show. Jack-Jack did steal the show. I agree 100% with you. It was great when Bob was stuck at home yes. trying to maneuver everything. And it was great seeing him adapt and how he knew how to like anticipate what was going on with Jack-Jack's powers. Because he like he's, just, he's just got like an amalgam of 25, 30 different things going on. Oh my on. gosh, he had like 18 I powers, loved- I think. The best way I can sum up the movie I is I really, really loved how they picked up where they left off and didn't skip a beat. Yes, I remember. Picked up exactly yeah. where they left off. I thought the evolution of that story with that family mm-hmm. and the way they are went perfectly through that movie. One of the great things about it, how it's an answer to the first one, is because you're right about it's picking up right where it left off because one of the things was Violet had just been asked out by the boys she liked at the mm-hmm. end of the first movie. Yeah, that, that happened great. at the end of the first movie, mm-hmm. right? And because of events that happened right at the beginning of this movie, which took place almost immediately after the first movie, that got botched because the boys 
memories had to get erased men in black yeah, style because he <laughs> discovered her secret identity and she didn't know that. So then she felt rejected and she's, you she's know, going a young teenage stuff. girl mm-hmm. yeah. who's already insecure and it extends, you know, it's another one of those things where it extends the metaphor for life and that's what's so great about Pixar and I feel like when I, one of the great, one of the last Pixar movies my son was super interested in seeing, well, you know, it's hard to say, but Inside Out was one. He was not interested in a bunch after that. Uh... But I felt like it had a lot of metaphors. Inside Out was good. Yeah, it was really it good. It was really good. It was really good. He just kind of aged out of most of the product they were putting yeah. out. Really is what it comes Coco. Down to. Have you seen Coco? Coco we went to. Coco was great. Yeah, that was great. I just watched was that. was great. Uh, on a vacation. And that was really good. I really liked that. He had, Joe hasn't watched it yet, but I think it's, no. some, I think it's something that we got to watch. I think he'd really like it. You, you like some Disney I like, I like, I love. It was different. It's not like it's not a like films. princess. I love. No, it's like, great. It's not, it, was, it was great. Some of the best. I think it creates the most imagination in a movie. Mm-hmm. Honestly, for the most part, at least on a consistently basis, there's not a lot of like those feature length animated films that you've watched and you've been disappointed with. Mm-hmm. Can you really name me anything that's just been that terrible? Secret Life of Pets. Off the top of your head, ah. it's okay. Like I watched it, I was just like. Some people love that movie. So I know I some people do love that movie. I was just like, eh. Um, well, it's just it's very, okay. very, very similar to other movies that came out like that. But anyway, The Incredibles was incredible. I mean, uh, the other thing I liked was it did show like the. Uh, you see what I did there? Uh, <laughs> I did like how the woman picked up. I mean, in today's society, it was a great message. It was pretty factual that the man can stay home and the woman's at work all day yeah I mean it's and great how he was adapting to Jack Jack mm-hmm. and how like how just oh, how, how, how just nonchalant he had gotten about it yeah. I loved him and know, Edna Mode Jack when they, he brought, brought Jack Jack to her he really it was, right? was kind of cool seeing yeah. that not only that, that he can't only be a superhero but at the end of the day he can also be a great dad I think that's the message they were trying to send it was it was I don't know, I thought they drove everything home. It was a great family flick. From the 4-year-old to the 7-year-old to the 26-year-old to the 33-year-old, we all enjoyed ourselves. So and that's what it's that that's what a great movie entails for the most part. If if you're taking the whole family. Now, of course, I think one of the greatest movies was like we talked about earlier, The Dark Knight. Can't take the 4 and 7-year-old to that movie. <laughs> it's going to give them nightmares. Mm-hmm. Um so. Go my so my brother just doesn't even think of it, but um like movies that I could possibly take my kids to, but not not probably not Ant Man the Wasp, but I don't know for some reason it made me think of it. But uh, my brother recently saw Ant Man the Wasp, and he said, without giving any spoilers, he said he thought it was funnier than Deadpool two. Do you agree with that? Uh, Ooh, two movies we haven't seen, but Matthew J. Better has seen <laughs> on the ringer. I don't know. I hadn't even thought about comparing that. No, it's no, not. No, you don't think so? No. Maybe, but my brother's humor also is not probably not as dark as the one. Deadpool. I heard from people that Deadpool Two was really funny, but it, it sounded like dark. it got really dark, like really sad, like well, over sad. Well, yeah, I heard. I is think what I'm gathering. That's off of like. Well, I mean, you you both seen it. the first one? Yeah. Yeah. You know the pacing of the comedy in the first one? Like they're trying to have jokes uh, constantly. constantly. Yeah. Uh, Jokes constantly in this in Deadpool too. 
jokes constantly. Okay. Like, it's not... It's jokes all the time. Like, it's still... I mean, yeah, I mean, the, the first one was dark. That was a dark movie. It was dark, yeah. Yeah, they're both dark movies. Yeah. Like, they're... It's great. It's a great bookend. If they don't make it Deadpool 3, it's a great series. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, fan- so that's, that's what they mean. I okay. hope they make a third one. I mean, you think about, like... I mean, you think about it, you kind of have to end those things on a dark note. Like, I thought Logan was the absolutely perfect ending. Mwah. Yeah, like, that, and it was dark. I mean, the Wolverine, spoiler alert, the Wolverine died. Like, actually oh, so died. Our, so our spoiler timer went up four minutes ago because my phone's <laughs> on silent. Oh, well, sorry, guys. <laughs> Whoops. But it's fine. But if you haven't seen Logan by now, go check yourself. Spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. It's done. I do want to see Ant-Man and the Wasp in Deadpool 2 I still. I do, too. I mean, Ant-Man and the Wasp is not supposed to... It's a, it's not supposed to be... As funny? It's it's supposed to... I mean... Marvel always has a little be, bit of humor to it. It's not supposed to be punchlines constantly. Yeah, it's not yeah. supposed to be that. It's not what, it's not what MCU is. Yeah. It, it, would, it would take away from what that movie is supposed to entail. It's supposed to have periods of being... It's really hard to pull off the action comedy. Mm-hmm. The complete the bl- action comedy. Have a nice blend. The, com- the complete action comedy. Yeah. What's interesting about Ant-Man and the Wasp that makes it different from any movie that I've ever seen is it had at least three different parts of the movie where the crescendo of a conversation or a scene or something was equally and thoroughly hilarious as well as heartwarming mm-hmm. and like endearing and it's very it it it's it was it was very unique interesting pheno- phenomenon to have to experience in a movie cuz i mean that's i need to rewatch it i don't even remember the three lines but i remember three different times in the movie i was like laughing very hard and it was also very endearing and just heartwarming. I just mm-hmm. remember that. There was a lot going on in that movie. It was it was great. And if you want things like that to happen in the movie, you it's very difficult to pull off with the irreverence that you need from the constant, over-the-top, hyper-violence, completely pureed with that kind of comedy in the Deadpool movies. It just doesn't... It's not... I mean, in the Deadpool movies in their own right can be these epic things, but it's, uh, I don't know, you, it, it's just not what MCU is supposed to be. It's interesting. I don't know. It might be close, though. Yeah. I'm not sure. I need to rewatch it. I didn't even think about it. I wasn't even thinking about the comedy. It was it was pretty steady. You did kind of feel like there was... I mean, Amina Wasp, I would assume so, because one of my favorite actors out right now is Paul Rudd. You kind of feel like Judd Apatow has had the permanent effect on Paul Rudd, or maybe they just have a thing in common where they... Because it feels like almost... You feel like it's a little bit of a Judd Apatow movie, and I'm pretty sure he has nothing to do with anything here. It's just it's all Paul Rudd, and the fact that he's, I don't know, grown under or with uh, Judd Apatow. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, there were a couple of jokes early on that sort of started to fall, that sort of fell flat, but there weren't many, and they didn't last very long, and the characters that were uttering those jokes 
ended up all you know redeeming themselves as characters and their characters over in the first movie. Um, that was good stuff. It was nice seeing Michelle Pfeiffer in the uh, superhero movie again. It was. Uh, I guess I don't want to say anything else. I don't want to spoil. I don't want to spoil. <laughs> oh, here's something I want to play real quick. Ghost was a pretty cool villain. Pretty interesting, I guess. Uh, Lawrence Fishburne popped up. He was, you know, gotta love Lawrence Fishburne. You know, he 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 did a, he. I need to see it again, I guess, or think about it more before I can really give final renderings on a lot of this. But uh, two thumbs up. Now, the movies we've seen recently yes. that came out, I just want to know your opinion on the actual rating for it. Uh-huh. And if you agree or disagree with okay. it. First, we'll start. We all saw Incredibles 2. Mm. Yes. On Rotten Tomatoes. Hey, let's the, guess. Let's guess. Let's guess. Okay. We'll guess audience first, score and critic score. Which one do you want to do first, audience or critic? Or do both at once. Gabby, we'll go with you first. Put you in the ringer. Okay, uh, audience, we'll say 89%. Okay. We'll say critics, 82. 89 and 82. Yeah, exactly. Okay. I guess we should, I should give a shout-out to the Adam Carolla show for doing the Rotten Tomatoes game, because I'm kind of ripping them off right now. <laughs> do they do that? I never listened to mm. it. Mm-hmm. But when you yell it out, I just have to. I just have uh, to be like, "Let's guess the score," because <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's just my impulse. I didn't know another score. I didn't know another show did that. Yeah, no, 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 no. You're fine. Um, so, Incredibles. I mean, two. it's fine to be there. Incredibles before. two. I'll go. Critic score seventy seven. Audience score eighty two. I mean, it's in another sense, it's the ultimate respect to those guys. Right. Um, all right. Actual score. Now. Uh, Gabby, you were kind of closer to the audience score with 89. What was the audience? It was 87. Mm-hmm. Matt, you said 82. Okay. And then on the Rotten Tomatoes, I mean, on the, um, they critics. are Rotten Tomatoes, but the actual <laughs> the critic score. The Rotten Tomatoes score, the official Rotten Tomatoes score. Gabby, I have to say you're closer again yeah. with 82. The actual critic score was 94%. Hmm. And Matt, you said oh, 77. Wow. wow. They gave it actually more than the audience. I actually agree more with the critics. I actually rated so wait, myself what was at the, 94%. What was the critic yeah. score? Crit- 94%. Oh, nice. On the Adam Kroll show, you would get a five-point deduction for getting it right on the nest. Oh, really? <laughs> yes, you would. But yeah, I like... But um, not here. I agree with the 94%. I thought it was a fantastic movie. Didn't yeah. find a lot of no, I would agree wrongs in it. I mean, of course, yeah. it wasn't absolutely perfect, I guess, to give it the straight 100. But 94% sounds about right. Yeah. So, Matt, have you seen Jurassic World? No. All right, well. You can talk well, about it spoiler free. I guess you can't really do the, you never seen it. So you can't do the the rating the ratings game. on it, but uh, I can still guess. I can still guess. Hold on, hold on. Um, I'm gonna say critic score sixty four, certified fresh still, and the audience score seventy two. Gabby. You've actually seen it, so you do have the advantage. I do. I mean, I saw it a while ago, but I already kind of have a roundabout. I'm going to say the audience is like 56. I would say critics. Dang! Critics is like 49. 
Dang. Yeah, and you've obviously seen this before because you hit the audience Ooh. right on the money. It was 56%. Which I'm glad I didn't go see no, that. No, but no, I don't think it was I'm that bad. I, I thought it was pretty good. good. My time is I precious. Think it's, I think it takes it's a very, lot of time to go to a movie instead of just watching what I think it's very underrated. I thought it was. I mean, the people I asked that watched it before we before there was really a because we went right away. Mm. Um, the other people that we saw, which was a handful of people who saw it before us, they said it was a good movie. Yeah, they said it wasn't as good as the first, but it was I mean, still I can good, see. I'd have movie. to watch it again because you know how you have that thing when you watch a movie in the theater. Mm. It's always at least a little bit better. Mm. Let me tell you what. I know I didn't get my money's. I mean, I didn't feel like I got ripped off when I watched it. Mm. It was worth it. Mm. It was worth the admission. Um. I'd have to rewatch it again. Some of it was a little... I don't know, do you? No, I definitely do. I, I definitely do. Some of it was a little... Some parts had me like, okay, that's a little... Cheesy. Or cheesy not, or, or cheesy or like far-fetched, yeah. Okay. He doesn't like when stuff is a little I, bit too far-fetched. I might not watch it the first time, actually, the more you guys talk about it. No, I, no, I don't I think, I think it's, it's worth a watch. watch. I think it's worth a watch. <laughs> no. If I'm willing to watch you're it like, a second time... Like, yeah, but again. <laughs> no, it wasn't. The not, more you tilt your head to the side, the less I'm... Yeah, no, it's definitely not... I don't think it deserves that 56%. I don't either. Rating. I think a lot of it is because It'll the first one... The I'll people, probably see it. The first one people home, related to I'll more because it was it. they had more to... I will say, like I think the reason people don't like this one as much as the first one out of the Jurassic World series. Just as Jurassic, strictly Jurassic World, not Jurassic Park. Mm. But because the Jurassic World has a lot of, like, nostalgia to it, just a lot of, like, kind of throwbacks to the first off, one. And, it, and, like, the fact that they had the park in it. But this one This has, is the last Jedi of Jurassic World. Everybody's like, ugh. Yeah, it's kind of, I mean... Those, nah. Or one, even, like, Rogue One. You're just bored. Just like, <laughs> this one just doesn't... Because the park's closed. I think a lot of people love having the park, like, in the movies. I think that was, like, the, that's why, I mean, Jurassic Park was the most popular and Jurassic World was the most popular, just having the actual parks open. And then this is, you know, again, the park's closed. Right, it's the aftermath. It's like it's the aftermath. Like, it's not as much it's fun. Crap. It's more, it's, it's, it's a lot darker. Yeah. Yeah, like, but I like where they went with us. I think it's worth it because I'd like where they went with the story. I'm keep, mm. like, I want to keep following to see what happens with the third one. So I think it's definitely, like I said, it's Ooh, not as great. Double trilogy. Yeah. I think that, uh, you de- there's going to be a third one, but you have to watch the second to, go to find out. Where it's I mean, Planet of the Apes, you could almost say is a triple trilogy. I don't know if anything's done that. Even Star Wars hasn't done that yet. Lord of the Rings hasn't done that. That's two trilogies. Who knows if they stop with the Jurassic World at number three because they're still killing it at the box is office. There a triple trilogy. Triple trilogy. Triple trilogy. <laughs> uh, all right, I said I had a few more things to. Speaking of Star Wars, yeah, that was J.J. Abrams, right? Yeah. Or no? Well, he's gonna come up. Um, Annihilation. <clears throat> I don't think I mentioned that Jennifer Jason Lee was in it. Jennifer Jason Leigh played a small but pivotal and beautiful role in Morgan, a movie that I've talked about over and over yeah. again, directed mm-hmm. by Ridley Scott, another sci-fi, synthetic human kind of kind of kind of thing. Yeah, I think I can't remember. I know that movie. I just don't remember if I did see it. I feel like I did. I've talked so, about it so many. It was times. a while, long time ago. Heard about anybody else? That's probably where it's come from. She has a much larger role in Annihilation. She does a great job. She is a, I think she might be a psychologist, who 
But Annihilation is about... Okay, it's written and directed by Alex Garland. I think I read it that last time. This is the second movie wrote and directed. The first one was Ex Machina. <sighs> Ex Machina was great. Ex Machina, the ending and everything, it made me angry and made me had me thinking for days after I saw it. And ultimately, it's a great, beautiful movie and brilliant. And I'm, I think I want to watch it again, but maybe not. I think I might not want to. Like it's really, I like just like how much I feel about the ending. Like I just, I don't, I don't need to see it again. I get it. Uh, this movie had similar kind of endings to plot lines, uh, but a little bit less of me gets it quite yet right away. Like I'm, I guess I'm still thinking about it, and I'm not a hundred percent sure and if if I want to rewatch it to try to see if I get it and I I guess the the whole issue about whether or not I want to think more about it or rewatch it is that I don't know I'm wondering if there is much to get and that would if there if there is not and granted the movie is called Annihilation so if there isn't if there is purposely not supposed to be a point, I guess, like, haha, joke's on you. Mm-hmm. But if that's the case, like, haha, joke's on you, Alex Garland, I might not watch your next movie. Um, but, but I will, re- I'm not sure if that's the case. I, you know, it makes me want to watch it again. It actually has a lot of those same people. And it actually has, uh, it's, uh, they all star o- Oscar Isaac. Oscar Isaac is the actor who plays Poe Dameron and, Star Wars episodes seven and eight, mm-hmm. and he also played. There's only three actors, really four actors, but three main actors in Ex Machina. One of them is Oscar Isaac, and he is also the second most important actor in Annihilation. He is the husband of a chemist ish. Kind of person. This all takes place, I guess, in the immediate future, maybe, or maybe it's just now. I don't even know. A strange phenomenon, like supernatural or scientific or something, shows up somewhere on some remote part of the planet in the jungle, like a giant shimmer, like taking up a large plot of land, and every single person that they send in. Um, you know, I guess I don't want to spoil it for you guys, but uh, I definitely want to rewatch that. No doubt in my mind before I make any final judgments. And I th- I'm pretty sure that there is uh, the point to get, like I kind of got from Ex Machina or a message or an overall like artistic statement or whatever it is. Like not necessarily something I could quantify in a couple sentences, you know, but like. I, I get Ex Machina, I think, and it like I, I think I do want to rewatch it, but I don't think I need to necessarily rewatch it to get, like as soon as I saw the ending of that movie, like every every single like detail I'd watch up to that movie because it had me gripped, like it just like really snapped into focus, um, and I don't necessarily get that from Annihilation, but it's this is definitely my head is not turned to the side at all like it's nodding vigorously up and down when I say that this movie is definitely worth a watch Annihilation no doubt Alex Garland 
also wrote 28 Days Later, Revitalized Zombies, like I touched on last week, and like I might want to expound on a little bit. I don't think The Walking Dead would be a, a TV series if not for 28 Days Later. It really mm-hmm. brought zombies back to the forefront. Because right after that, the Dawn of the Dead remake, which I believe is Zack Snyder, which who I believe directed Man of Steel, who I believe gave birth to the DC Extended Universe, which... Maybe maybe not the greatest claim to fame, but it's not. I don't think it's his fault that it's gone down to flames. I think it's just a confliction of producers and marketers and uh, audience testers and that kind of thing. And just like too many hands in the pot, and they don't have a Kevin Feige like the MCU does that has one person with a clear vision who's been there from the, from the beginning, from the get go. And it's just it's an S storm. It's an S storm over there. Um. I leave anything loose? Is that it? Am I good? Am I good? Uh, I think I might have said some more about what. Yeah, I guess the yeah, I guess the Walking Dead. Eh, yeah, yeah, I think that's enough. I've been living the YouTube life, lifestyle. Oh yeah, what do you got? Just watching a lot of short videos, and I want to start getting into Cobra Kai. Oh, sh- sh- we were I t- I, we teased on the last episode that we were going to talk UFC. We got eight minutes to talk UFC on this. What's good with UFC? Go with UFC. Well, big fight last weekend. Daniel Cormier is now regarded as one of the greatest of all time mixed martial artists with a big knockout victory. Second guy Feel good moment for the sport. Um, great ending to the pay per view, and then they built up a bigger match. Brock Lesnar's returning, and he's fight, supposed to fight Daniel Cormier for the heavyweight title. I, I just love the kind of story with Daniel Cormier. Like he started off. Somehow, for some reason, being the villain against John Jones, like people just really like they mm-hmm. booed Daniel Cormier, and that didn't you. I mean, it should be the other way around with all the things John, you know, that John Jones has done and his character and everything. You know, like Daniel Cormier is actually a nice guy. He's a family man. He's a hard, you know, hardworking fighter. You know, and not even just that, he does all the commentary and everything else. And I love that he's finally getting like the recognition that he, I think he deserves. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, John Jones, I'm not, you know, John Jones is a great fighter, and don't get me wrong. Um, but I think Daniel Cormier, like, he, he just really deserves this right now. I just, he's such a talented fighter and mm-hmm. such a, so talented as well in like commentary and all that, all the other stuff that he does outside of the cage as well like overall I mean it was a feel good moment yeah it was great I I love that people are cheering for him now instead of booing him I just thought of something which I hadn't thought of before is that you can say that Daniel Cormier is the most legit two belt holder because he's defended at least one of those belts Mm -hmm. and he has does not seem to be planning to leave the sport so I would imagine who Daniel Cormier. He's oh, yeah. He's you know what I mean? You know what I mean? Well, exactly. he, he is yeah, actually he has, landing. He has, I don't even know if he has two fights left. He retires in March. He said, But a he's going to fight He's gonna fight again, right? Oh, yes, yeah, he's, yeah, he's fight fighting Brock, Brock Lesnar. Lesnar. And then that's it. Okay, so he's going to defend the heavyweight belt. Yeah. Yes! Yes! Yeah. So he's at least going to take... He yeah. is, he's going to stick around to at least give himself one shot to defend the second yeah. belt he just get. So... Even if this does not happen, you could still say he's the best 
he's the best ever. Be, if you base it on the fact that he's the only person to ever mm-hmm. always, he's the second person to ever hoist up two belts. But the first belt that Connor held up, he had not defended. And a lot of people say that if you can't defend it, like me, you know, maybe you don't, you know, he mm-hmm. shouldn't, he shouldn't have been able to move up the blah 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 blah. Uh, so, props, props to DC. I and God, I, do you think he's got a shot to beat Brock Lesnar? I guess it's Brock Lesnar. Oh, yeah. Brock Lesnar yeah. in theory is supposed oh, to be yeah. clean, right? Dude, I think at heavyweight, be. Daniel Cormier is the best heavyweight in the world. Oh, yeah. I mean, because we got to remember so that. So he's not going to have to risk fighting Cain Velasquez because yeah. he's just going to fight Brock Lesnar he and then he's going to bounce. Yeah, well, that's right. Never. Right. Well, that's what right. I mean. That's, that's right. what you got to He's still saying that Cain Velasquez is the best ever. Yeah. Well, that's best what heavyweight what in the division. Best heavyweight ever. Yeah. Well, that's or what whatever. we got to remember is that. Maybe not I mean, ever. Dan- I'm not sure exactly. Heavyweight was originally Daniel Cormier's weight class. Like, he actually cut a lot of weight to go down to light heavyweight. So, heavyweight is more. Is his like forte, I guess to say. You know, yeah. um, so I think how small I think he is. It, it and seems he's actually crazy. been he's it's actually awesome. been in the game. And him I mean, versus Brock Lesnar is like a modern day David versus Goliath. It's funny. It's it call really back, call back to the last episode. Yeah. Call back to B Hall. Takes you back to old school UFC. Honestly, mm-hmm. I think the way you can promote that, it's just it's an interesting fight, man. It's gonna be a big fight. Yeah, I'm really I'm really pumped for that fight because I mean, even you know Brock Lesnar hasn't really been in it. You know, much other than you know when he was at UFC 200. Um, I mean, and he did really well there, even though he did get you know popped. But still, I mean, it's it should be. A, I don't. It's not going to be a beatdown. I don't think so. It's going to be at least be entertaining. I hope DC beats Brock Lesnar. I'd love it. Oh yeah, I, I, I would love Brock, to see I mean, it. I don't. I definitely don't see Brock winning. Brock is just a monster. Because I mean, he I mean big. He is a battleship. You get it. Big. Like he, that's not a tattoo. That's a birthmark. I didn't realize you don't realize like how big these professional wrestlers are until they get next to. He's ridiculous. <laughs> he's grown like, in a lab. He's not real. They're all huge. So when they're all in the you know he's in the ring real. in the wrestling ring, you're just like, yeah, they're big, okay. But then when you see them in like real life, like in the UFC octagon, you're like, they're bigger, like two feet bigger than the octagon. It's like crazy. Yeah. Brock Lesnar was always a big character. I always figured you, it was always like characters that were colored. Though, if you painted him green, he would look like what, what's that guy's name with Blanca from uh, Street Fighter? <laughs> if you painted him blue, who was it? This blue? He looks like that guy. What, Beast. What, Beast from um, X Men. X Men. Yes. I mean, he looks like he just looks larger than life. He could be the, the rock Incredible guy Hulk. from Fantastic Four. Yeah, he is the real life Incredible Hulk. Mm. He is. He's just a He's... big dude. But him standing next to Daniel. But I just think Daniel Cormier's skill and technique. Oh yeah, it's, just, I mean, it's a skill and technique. I mean, uh, it can't it can't just be strength. I don't think Brock's there. There's a rivalry strength there because they remember like I said. Ivan Drago on the Super rivalry. Soldier Serum. Yeah, he is. That you know what? That's exactly what it is. He, he's he's Ivan Drago with no rules. He was built in a lab, but hey, who cares? Everything's free game. All the vitamins you want, baby. He can have it all. Not here, not Usada. We got you. No, Usada. He, Daniel Cormier won't fight him unless he's clean. Mm. Yeah, he already, he already said that. And he yeah. has to have six months bef- under Usada before he can even fight. Well, doesn't Daniel Cormier have a six-month medical suspension? No. 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 Broke his finger. Okay. But six weeks that'll heal. Oh, maybe that's. You know, Cormier's talking about possibly coming back and fighting a light heavyweight and defending that title again before <laughs> the Brock Lesnar fight. Dang! That's Daniel Cormier's nice. mindset. Hey, but I feel like his coaches and everybody else should say, "Nah, man, 
Yeah. You got you got the gold mine. You, you got the golden ticket. Able, if you can hold that second yeah. belt up legit again. But no, Nobody's but he just, done that just too. for a swan, he's got the golden ticket. He's only got to wait six months. And he goes and cashes that golden ticket in against Brock Lesnar. You know, don't worry. Don't try to get yourself injured. Don't. Don't lose a fight to anybody. Oh, it's going to hurt the credibility. Your stock is at an all-time high. And with your stock being at an all-time high, you have a fight lined up with Brock Lesnar. And this is one of those times where That's I say, crazy. when I say fighters don't fight enough, but when you got your fight, when, when you got your lottery ticket, it's okay to wait a little bit, man. We're only talking six months, bro. Just, just DC, I love your attitude, but this is one. Just wait, bro. We hope you had fun at the table. We love it when you come by, and we really appreciate your time. Please tell your friends about us. Like, share, retweet. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or SoundCloud, where you fight fans and seasoned vets can also find Better Fight Cast, your tightest guard of the UFC and all things mixed martial arts. The purest, best of sport you can follow. Follow Joe Newbauer at Jonas MMA. Gabriel Tambo and Gabriel underscore TME. Matt Kirkamo at Matt J. Becker. We love you guys and girls and everyone else. Peace!